right, well, here we are, last Sunday of the year, and boy, these years keep moving by faster and faster. It's crazy. I hope you had a nice Christmas. Uh, how many of you had ham on Christmas? Okay, how many had turkey? Anybody have prime rib? Prime rib? Uh, Cornish game hen? Pheasant? Okay. I don't know. What else is there? Uh, chicken? Chicken? Uh, tofu. How many had tofu? <laughs> Brent Mai had tofu. If you believe that, i got a bridge to sell you. How many of you plan uh, tomorrow night on staying up all the way until the potato drops? How many of you really don't care if a potato drops and you'll be in bed at 9 o'clock? Okay. <laughs> You've dropped a potato before and it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, <clears throat> all month long we've been talking about Christmas peace. And we're ending up uh, the year today talking about the peace of God. Now, there are a few different types of peace that are referred to in the scripture. Uh, peace with God is salvation or justification, which is the big word we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Peace on earth is the ultimate utopia that is promised uh, when Jesus comes and reigns as Messiah on the earth. And the peace of God, which we're talking about today, is what believers hold in their hearts on a daily basis. So the peace of God is only for those who already have peace with God. Okay, did you catch what I just said? The peace of God is only for those who have already made peace with God. And there are a lot of people who are looking for peace in their lives. Uh, peace with God speaks about justification and atonement, but the peace of God is all about a relationship with Christ. The text we're going to visit today is in Colossians chapter 3. And if you'll turn over there, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to look at uh, several verses in chapter 3 today. Colossians is a very practical book. And if you go back to uh, 64 AD when Paul wrote this letter... Many of these churches that received a letter, this was the only portion of scripture that they had. They didn't have any of the Jewish scriptures because they were in a Gentile city. And the only letter that they had ever received that they knew to be uh, authoritative or to tell them how to live the Christian walk was this letter that they got from the apostle. And so Colossians is one of those unique epistles that is all-encompassing. It talks about creation. Uh, it talks about how to have Jesus in your life. It talks about what to do after you have Jesus in your life. And in Colossians 3, and we're going to see some of those things as we get started this morning. Colossians 3, verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And I love this passage. It's so practical for us to use in our lives and, of course, extremely appropriate as we head into the opportunity of a new year. I want to back up just a little bit, though, and take you back to verse 8 so that we can get a little more context on what we're going to study this morning. So back in verse number 8, and if you highlight or you underline in your Bible, I'm going to give you some phrases that really jump out uh, to us off the page. So verse number 8, but now ye also, look at these next two words, put off, put off these Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off, there it is again, the old man with his deeds. So there's some things that we're supposed to put off. Verse number 10, and have, look at these words, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so we put off the old man, we put on the new man. That phrase, put on, is an important phrase in the chapter. And we noticed it as we read in verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Uh, verse 14, above all these things, put on charity. And uh, so we're going to follow that phrase now as we go through this first part of the message. And uh, let's talk about this as we get started. Clothed with spirit-led qualities. Clothed with spirit-led qualities. And so the things that we put off, and there are things that we put on. And the things that we put on in our relationship with Jesus all come through the work of the Holy Spirit. These are things that you cannot put on in the Christian walk on your own. You can make an effort at it, but it never is lasting and it doesn't work. The only way that you can be holy is through the Holy Spirit. The only way that you're accepted in the beloved is through the Holy Spirit. The only way to show forth God's mercy through the Holy Spirit. Now, what about having kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering? Only through the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, this passage really resembles words that we studied earlier in the series in Galatians 5. And you might remember this. It said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. God wants us to put on the fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of people, when they first read this, they kind of think, well, why doesn't it say the fruits of the Spirit, right? Because it lists all these things. Uh, and it's sort of like uh, it's not uh, the individual fruits as much as it is the whole bowl, right? So you get the whole package at once. And when you get the Holy Spirit and you get the fruit of the Spirit, these qualities come into your life all at the same time as you submit to God. And these are qualities that cannot be manufactured artificially. Uh, you can't do these things on your own. You can't do them in your own strength. 
Believers who are maturing and becoming more like Jesus show forth spirit qualities. But believers who are trying to live in their own strength, they show forth the works of the flesh. And people see them as being petty and having childish works and being offended by the smallest things and being distracted by the most meaningless things. But those who walk in God's spirit, they walk in his spirit and gain the entire fruit of his spirit. Now, you think about this. Uh, If a person is more in love with the treasures of this earth than they are concerned about laying up treasures in heaven, that is not a work of the spirit. That's a work of the flesh. So these spirit-led qualities are what we're supposed to put on. And verse 13 we'll talk about in a second. It's kind of part of this section. But I want to talk about this putting on or this being clothed. It's kind of like this. Uh, When I went in my closet this morning, uh, I didn't go over and say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to wear two buttons today and an inseam and a pocket on this side and three pockets on this side and one of these pockets that nobody knows what it's for and one of these pockets down here and another pocket uh, and sleeves and what's the inner inside part called? The lining, that's right. The lining. Uh, I didn't go about it that way. You know what I did? I said, I'm going to grab a jacket because this is one garment. It's one piece of clothing even though it has many components. And that's the way it is with, with your clothing too, I would assume. Unless you're wearing a what are the Japanese women wear that's just all one garment? What is it? A kimono? A poncho? Now there's another name I'm thinking about. Oh, I know what it is. A mumu. Is that Japanese? No? It's Hawaiian. That's what it is. See, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, but when we put on a garment, we put on the whole thing. At once. And when you are attempting to submit to the Holy Spirit, you put on the entire Holy Spirit at once. And you have to put off the works of the flesh at once. Now, verse 13 gets really practical on this. Okay, so verse 13, look what it says. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any. So not only do we put off some certain things and put on some certain things, we also put up with some certain things. And that's what this is about. Forgive as you are forgiven. Second part of the message. Forgive as you are forgiven. This verse is about putting up with other people. And, and so you put on the spirit-led qualities You put up with other people. Uh, This helps you when you don't get what you want and you don't get what you deserve. By the way, uh, James said in James 4 that all human disagreements come from people not getting what they want or what they deserve. They all do. Disagreements are going to happen in our earthly relationships, right? You don't even have to raise your hand because I already know it's true. 
How many of you have ever not got what you wanted? Yeah, you even still raised your hand. (laughs) I mean, that's because it's so true. Or what you deserve. Like, I deserve this. Or I wanted this one. Um, and it, it always shows up around Christmas time, right? Uh, you get, uh, get you know, somebody something and they wanted this instead. Uh, or somebody got you the fruitcake, right? And you didn't really want the fruitcake. And, and how many like fruitcake? A couple of people, oh, some people like fruitcake. So here's the deal. If you have a fruitcake that you need it to go somewhere, these people are your people. <laughs> Take your fruitcake to them. All right, so we put up with people. Now, disagreements happen, and we can count on them. In fact, uh, sometimes you will even disagree with yourself. And this actually happens to me a lot. Uh, how many of you have ever disagreed with yourself? Like, why did you say that? That was stupid. That's disagreeing with yourself because your flesh and your spirit are battling against each other. Your flesh is at enmity with God. And when you put off your flesh, it keeps trying to go back on. Isn't that weird? Right? You put on the Spirit of God, and your flesh keeps trying to put itself back on. You're like, get out of here. And you smack it, put it back down, get back on the altar. And uh, every day, hours of the day, multiple times of the day, you have to keep smacking your flesh back. You have to put it off. And uh, goodness gracious, uh, We've got this dilemma that's going on. And so Jesus modeled for us how we respond to these disagreements, to these quarrels. And here's the the wording. Forbearing one another. That means that you are able to bear someone else's burdens even when it annoys you. Now that's my own definition. All right, bearing someone else's burdens, even when it annoys you, and putting up with other people's idiosyncrasies. Right, we have uh, in the kitchen. There's this jar on the kitchen counter, and when you move it across the kitchen counter, it makes this noise, this hideous noise, like this unnerving, high-pitched noise. It's kind of like when somebody scratches their fingers on the chalkboard-type noise. And when that noise is made, you immediately react to it. Well, our daughter, Autumn, she loves it when I get annoyed by noises. She thinks it's the greatest thing on earth. In fact, she gets giddy about it. She'll actually laugh out loud uh, when dad gets annoyed by noises. So if she finds a noise that annoys me, is that rhyme? Uh, She finds a noise that annoys, it does rhyme. It's kind of a weird Word thing. I don't even know what it's called. She finds a noise that annoys. Did you guys get this? I didn't plan this. This is crazy stuff at church. Uh, she will do that noise until I have to really shut her down. Like, I have to almost get mean about it. Like, I'm not joking anymore. Stop. And then she'll do it again. Like, seriously, I'm not joking. And finally, I have to go get my wife to tell her I mean it. <laughs> because she just likes to be annoying to her father. How many of you have kids like this? It doesn't seem right. It almost seems like God gives us children to help us learn about forbearing one another. Doesn't it seem like that? 
seems like God just said, okay, well, I want to teach you more patience. Here's a kid. <laughs> right? And after the kid uh, pees and poops all over for a couple years, uh, and then you get into the bike riding thing, and you get it all figured out, then the kid turns into a middle schooler. And uh, it's like the worst three years of your life. Because you have to learn about forbearing. What, Michael, why are you laughing? He's laughing out loud in church. <laughs> They're laughing too. So this is good stuff. Um, and all people with middle schoolers are smiling big right now because they know how this works. Forbearing one another. Do you know, putting up with each other is serving God. It is. And when we put up with each other in relationships and we put up with other people's quirks and we don't yell as loudly about the person going slow on the left lane, it means we're growing. How many of you have a spouse that sometimes may talk to people in traffic? Okay. How many of you would admit to maybe yourself talking to people in traffic? Like, what are you doing in this lane? If you're going to go five miles under the speed limit, get over. We, we have these things that annoy us, and it's hard for us to put up with other people. But we're not only supposed to put up with them, we're supposed to help them carry their burdens. We're supposed to give them better than they deserve. Now, why is that? Because, and only because, Jesus gave us better than we deserve. And he still does. We deserve eternal death. We don't deserve anything good. And yet, he is forbearing with us. He is forgiving with us. And so we're supposed to be this way with others. Not because we always feel like it, but because of how Jesus has forgiven you. And if you can't forgive another person, and this sometimes is a struggle, it really comes down to this. You haven't truly accepted Jesus' forgiveness in your own life. Because the real forgiveness of Jesus causes you to forgive others. Forgiveness comes from the highest ideal, charity. Verse 13 uh, leads into this. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, the bond of unity, the bond of getting along. It's the highest motivation. Yeah, sometimes people act like they forgive somebody else. But you can do that without loving, right? Kind of put on, put on a show. But you can't really love without forgiving. It's impossible. Uh, these are an extension of the Spirit-led qualities. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And, and so we see this component now of the, the peace of God uh, that kind of comes together. We've got forgiveness, forbearing one another, uh, the love of God. Now verse 15, let's look at another one. And let the peace of God, so there it is. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful. Let's talk about being contented with God's calling. 
Okay, next part of the message, contented with God's calling. And if you'll notice, there is a powerful, important word in verse 15. It's the little word, let. Let the peace of God rule. If you try to take over and do God's job, you won't have any peace in your life. If you try to control outcomes, if you allow worries and cares to take over your mind, you'll never have the peace that passes understanding. The peace of God rules only in the hearts of those who live thankful and contented lives. That's what the end of the verse is all about. Be ye thankful. Real thankfulness leads to real peace. The peace of God that keeps our relationship with him at the place of contentment. And it's also the peace of God that keeps unity in our relationship with others. We're called to live together in peace. And God wants us to have peace in our marriages, our families. He wants us to have peace in our church family. He wants nations to be at peace. But here's his condition. Peace only comes through truth. And if we can't tell the truth, then we can't let the peace of God rule in our hearts. So let is this action verb. And you have to participate in this. Uh, I'll tell you this. If you don't have the peace of God, it's only because you aren't letting God's peace rule in your life. You're adding conditions to God's plan. You're redefining peace. When you aren't content. And instead of allowing God to set the terms, you're taking over his job. Now look at verse number 16, because it had some interesting wording in it as well. I've got to pause for a second. This rarely ever happens when I'm doing public speaking. I felt like I was going to sneeze. So I'm just warning you. It could happen here in a second. And if it does, I'm just going to stop for a second and try to sneeze gently so that I don't pull out a vertebrae in my back. All right, here we go. I don't know what just happened. Okay, I'm back. All right, verse number 16. Let, oh, there it is again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let's talk about being filled with the word of God. Filled with the word of God. Now look, if you want to have peace, and you want to have the peace of God, you have to elevate the place of the Word of God in your life. I was reading a, a study by Lifeway. They've done a research study this last year. And here's what they found. Uh, and probably just about everything in this, you would guess it to be true. Here's what they found. The most contented Christians, okay, the most contented Christians, this is in their survey, the ones who show genuine joy, uh, doesn't matter what their socioeconomic status is, they're happy people, they're content, they enjoy life. They are the people who are the most connected with the Word of God. That's what Lifeway says. They've done this, they've researched all these people from all various backgrounds, churches, and the most contented people are the people most connected with the Word of God, right? Also, the people who are connected with the Word of God are the ones who take growth steps in their Christian life. 
They're the ones who become givers. They're the ones uh, who become examples of Christian living. They're the ones who actually tell others about their faith. Those who are connected with the word of God. And here's the sad thing. This is in a Barna poll uh, from two years ago. They did a poll of evangelical Christians, so kind of kind of like where we're at, uh, people who believe in salvation by grace through faith. And here's what they found. Uh, 48% or so of Christians uh, say that they believe the Bible is the very word of God. It's the literal word of God. Now, that's an alarming number by itself, right? <laughs> because it would seem like you would have to 100% believe the Bible is the word of God before you could ever be a Christian. It just seems like to me, right? Doesn't it seem like that to you? It's like, if the Bible's not true, how could I even become a Christian? Does that seem weird? Uh, but anyway, so they did more of their study. Here's what they found. They asked people, do you use the word of God in your daily decision making? Right? For you to make decisions at work in your marriage, in parenting, in your finances. And it, here's what they found. Now see if, you, see if you just are blown away by this stat, because I was. Here's what they found out. Of the people who said that they believed in God, that they're Christian people, you know what percentage of them said they used the Bible for daily decision-making? 9%. Nine percent, less than one out of ten people actually use the Bible for their daily decision making. Now, that's an alarming stat, but I want you to think about your life right now. Are you one of the nine percent? Are you one of the 91 percent? Are you actually connected with God's word in a way where you say, I wonder what God's word says about being a dad? I wonder what God's word says about giving. I wonder how I should live my life and my relationships according to God's word. Or do you just kind of go with the flow? Look for a self-help book every once in a while. If we're not careful, we fit into the 91% instead of the 9. If we don't let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, his job is to guide us to all truth. But if we will not allow God's truth into our hearts, he has nothing to guide us with. Because the Holy Spirit is always connected to the word of God. Now, how many of you would admit to having an ornery spouse at your house? Somebody who's ornery, just a little bit. Okay, how many of you in this past year your spouse has at least played one, one or two tricks on you. Okay, and that keeps it spicy, keeps it fun, right? The relationship, to have a spouse who plays some tricks on you yeah, in the right way. Now, um, one of the things we talked about in the first service, and there was actually a guy in the back who admitted that his spouse was ornery enough to do this, and that took bravery for him to do this. Um, but I said, what if uh, at, your, at your house you went this morning to get a cup of milk, and you got the cup out, you got the milk out, and right when you went to pour the milk, your ornery spouse put her hand on top of the cup, right? How much of the milk is going to go in the cup? None. 
because it's blocked off. Now, here's the thing. We block ourselves off from being filled with the Word of God. We have so many distractions in our lives. We have so many responsibilities in our lives. We add too many responsibilities in our lives. We make things important that aren't really important, and then we don't have time for the Word of God. Right? We add all these artificial responsibilities into our life. Like, what if I don't get this done? What if I don't get this done? Right? And we add 10 things that aren't even really important, and we act like they're important, and then we get all bothered when they don't work out, but we don't have time for the Word of God. I like what Jerry Falwell said. This is a great quote. He said, if you're too busy to connect with the Word of God every day, you're too busy. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Here's what it means. Take some things off your plate. Okay? You don't really have to go hunting every week. You don't have to. You don't have to go uh, to Sportsman's Warehouse every Saturday. You don't have to. You don't have to get your nails done every two weeks. You don't have to. You don't have to go to the beauty parlor every month. I'm getting in the negative territory. I'm seeing some icy looks out there. All I'm saying is we add artificial things to our plate. Oh, we've got to get the kid to soccer practice. We've got to get this there. We've got to go here. But none of those things actually have to happen. What I'm trying to get you to see is that this has to happen. If we don't let the word of Christ dwell in us, we're doomed. We can't live for eternity. We can't make any of the spiritual connections we need to make. And God wants us to be at peace. But he said the peace comes through the word. And you have to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I love to read in the Psalms. The longest chapter in the Bible yeah, it happens to be a Psalm, Psalm 119. And it's really interesting uh, how the, the Jewish uh, scribes broke it out because it has 176 verses, and they broke it down into, into 22 equal sections, uh, every section for a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And every verse in this Psalm, if you look it up uh, this afternoon, look at each verse, all 176 verses refer to the Word of God. For instance, here's verse 1. Uh, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So there's a reference to God's word. Now verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. And there are verses all through this psalm. Uh, some of you learned these when you were a kid. Verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, verse 103 and 104, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, you go through the psalm further, thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The one my mom made me learn, verse 165, incessantly I was told this when I was a teenager great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them now she may not have been theologically in the proper context but every time I happened to not like one of her instructions 
or not like something that was going on, or not wanting to clean my room, or not wanting to do whatever, she said, say Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they, let's nothing shall offend them. Now say it again. Great peace have they, which love thy law. And you know how a teenager would do this, right? Have you ever made your teenager say something out loud? It is like the end of the world. It's like devastation has come upon the planet. Right? It's like end times type stuff. I want you to go in that room and tell your sister you're sorry. It's like they can't talk all of a sudden. Like, we haven't been able to get you to shut up since you were two, and now you can't say two words? Okay? This is how I was. A great peace have they which love thy law. Well, what part was that? Say it again. Say it slower. It's like I was training to be a ventriloquist, right? The way we interact with the Word of God is what seals the deal on our Christian maturity. Those who are saturated with God's truths, this says, will sing with grace in their hearts. They'll have the peace of God. They'll admonish others with the peace of God in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And when your life is filled with things other than the Word of God, Guaranteed you won't have the peace of God ruling your heart. But when you have God's word and you're full of it, this practical stuff in Colossians, this is right where we live. And and I'm going to encourage you as you get ready for the new year to start off right away, January 1st, have a plan for what you're going to do with God's word. Right? Uh, Make a paper plan. Download it from the internet. Download version on your phone or your tablet, and you can sign up for a plan right on there. And get in God's Word, and get a plan for a prayer life, and for practicing gratitude, and for contentment. And then we see this last one. Get a plan for this, serving for the name of Jesus. Verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So whatever you do, word, action, do it all in the name of Jesus. And in every relationship in your life, in every facet of your life, look to please Jesus. If you don't have the peace of God in your life today, it could be because you're not serving anyone else except yourself. And and God's word reminds us so often that people who are self-centered won't ever have peace in their hearts, the peace of God, because they're only thinking about themselves. And so find ways to serve God by serving others. We have so many opportunities to do that right here at Centennial. Pastor Cole mentioned next Sunday we have class 101 uh, for people who want to discover the what, how, and why of this church, but we also have class 301, and we're making an exception for this particular 301. If you've taken 101 before, you can take this 301. So even if you haven't done 201 yet, 
if you've never taken a full 301 class, we want you to come. Uh, we've done many workshops with 301 before. Get in and find out how you can be a part of ministry and how God has shaped you in a special way to minister. Uh, Pastor Cole also mentioned the TRIPS meeting today after the morning service. And, and I hope that you'll get involved in something in 2019 that is significant for serving God. Uh, whatever we do, whether it's family life, uh, church life, global missions, we have to look to please Jesus. It's all about him. And when we live lives that are only for ourselves, we don't have contentment or peace. But when every word and every deed are done in the name of Jesus, peace will rule your hearts. The peace that passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, it says in Philippians. And, and so peace with God is all about a relationship with Christ. And as we finish up this year, let's talk about this for a second because maybe you don't have a real relationship with Christ. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ going into the new year. Maybe you need to be a little thankful for what God's done this past year. And, and I don't know how God's speaking to your heart as we close out the year, but I know that the Holy Spirit wants every person here to experience the peace of God in our lives in 2019. And so we're going to end this last service of the year a little bit differently. Uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, if you want to be part of a commitment prayer, uh, there's lots of ways to do this. If you want to come to the altar, you can. If you want to come with your family to the altar, you can. If you want to kneel at your seat, if you physically are, are able only just to sit in your seat, uh, however you want to get in a posture uh, of prayer, and I'm going to allow you to pray on your own or with your family for just a minute, and then I'm going to say a commitment prayer for this coming year, right? So you get which, where you want to get. If you need to move to be with a family member or you want to come to the altar, you go ahead and do that, and then we're going to pray together and ask God uh, to work in our lives in a mighty, mighty way in this coming year.